passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hi, it's John Pollock and Waiting. This is Rewinded Dynamite. Hello, Way. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, what a what a day. Uh, lots to talk about. I'm glad I've got you to talk about it with. If I was by myself, I think I'd go crazy talking about all this stuff just by myself because I'm trying to make sense of all of this. I'm hoping you can add some knowledge to all of us. Uh, you know, I'll we'll, we'll do my best. I mean, we're, we're really just two voices, and, and this is something that I don't know if two voices – I don't know if like – Hundred voices are really enough. It's it. They're very complicated issues, but uh, okay. Between the two of us, maybe we'll figure it out. How how would you think uh, if you were asked to want to travel to Florida right now? Would that be on your list of priorities at the moment? How how deep down the priority list would traveling to Florida be for you right now? I mean, I'm not really thinking about traveling anywhere, quite honestly, but uh, Florida would definitely... You, you and I literally can't. We cannot leave this country right now, you and I. Yeah, sure. Uh, but Florida would definitely be uh, towards the bottom of the list of all the places in the world. So there's a lot of stories to get to. I think we should start with the WWE because on Wednesday, we learned that as a result of the recent COVID-19 testing, there appears to be multiple positive tests coming as a result um, of the testing that was administered last week. We don't have a number. There have not been names that have been reported, but it is certainly something that we were you know, bracing for the potential of, given that last week was the first time WWE talent and staff have undergone COVID-19 testing. So as of as of now, um, I've spoken to multiple people today. There is testing that is going to be going down before the tapings on Friday and Saturday. So uh, I spoke to at least one person today who was tested today, and it seems like there's going to be a lot of testing done on Thursday. And then they're going to be taping an episode of Raw and SmackDown on Friday, and then another episode of Raw and SmackDown on Saturday. And I would assume... This cut. This would mean the other shoulder programming, unless they make the call that that is not essential. And God knows, I've been saying this whole time that 205 Live is hardly essential, but they've been taping it all these weeks. Uh, we'll find out if that's included in all of these tapings. But I mean, there's uh, reports out there about you know that this could be a a big number of positive test cases that come back. 
obviously, this is going to have an enormous impact. And we also have like these uh, travel restrictions that are in place. Not so much travel restrictions, but we have New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey that are labeling certain states, including Florida, that if you travel there and come back, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So that throws another wrench into all of these plans for talent and staff that are based in those parts of the country, which uh, Connecticut, there's quite a lot. Uh, Way this is not unexpected, but at the same time, I mean, man, this is, to me, even the most, uh, the staunchest defender of WWE throughout this whole period has to be somewhat looking of, wow, this is this is not the wisest idea to be doing these shows. This is starting to, re- like, we're starting to really hit the wall here when it comes to sanity in yeah. this whole thought process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for a time, it appeared that the WWE, the UFC, AEW, these places, it seemed like they were almost fortunate to be able to um, have, you know, their basis of operation in a state that was so lenient about this. But now it's certainly caught up, I would say, uh, especially in WWE's case. You know, I think a lot of people, like, remember when they initially had those people in the crowd and you and I on that episode were like, oh, for sure they must be testing now. They have to be testing. You and I were so certain. And not, then, not that first Monday. They didn't do it the first time with those those people. Oh, sorry. I, I'm even thinking of, yeah, like that's the episode that we were like thinking about, weren't we? That was the episode where by the end of the night, we learned of the second positive case involving the developmental wrestler. And then the next day was when they started the COVID-19 testing. But the fans or the family and friends that were in attendance on that Monday, that was just the usual temperature screening questionnaire that you'd have to answer to get in there. Right. Anyway, so uh, it seems like it's catching up. And I mean, when I say catch up, I mean, do we know that? I guess we'll never know really how active this this bug was within that vicinity because they never tested until this point in time. So now that they are, um, we'll have a clearer picture of of exactly how the COVID-19 has affected the WWE. And certainly, I think um, coming off of this, the least they, you know, it's a big question about how really they can operate. You know, will they have to uh, whittle down their roster to the people that are local? Uh, Will they have to somehow make sure that the people who live in those specific states don't leave and go back to their homes, which would suck, of course. Um, Yeah. Um, You know, you, you think about all the precautions all these leagues are taking, even the UFC, you know, for all we talk about that with them. We'll get into the UFC. It's I mean, you can say what you will about UFC. And if you're if you disagree with them running shows, you you more than have enough. But I mean, for what they are doing, uh, it's I I don't know how much more they could do, to be Mm -hmm. quite honest, uh, short of just not actually doing these shows like it's pretty involved what they are doing for these upcoming uh, Abu Dhabi shows. To me, it's like it's it's pretty evident like you that is like almost a a standard that I think a real professional sports league has to adhere to in order to continue running physical activity. Um, And that's something the WWE has been completely not doing this entire time which in hindsight it's been a case way where it really has been ignorance is bliss like it's like the joke that everyone was pointing at from the trump rally on the weekend was that oh it's because we're doing all the if we didn't test these numbers wouldn't be so high it's like yeah well that's really been the wwe's you know 
I, I think that everyone can look at it now and say that, you know, during this period where it's like, wow, no one's no one's tested positive. It's like no one's getting tested. So we really can't say that. And I have a real hard time believing that there were no people performing on these shows, working these shows that weren't asymptomatic, that might have just worked through themselves through this whole period. And gone through the virus. I think that's very possible. And the fact we're seeing numbers now after the first time we test, it just brings up that question. What have the last three months been like? Because you don't have that testing data. No, we don't. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even beyond that, Florida right now is just seems to be a hotbed for coronavirus cases. Over 36,000 uh, new cases in the U.S., uh, 5,500 in Florida on Wednesday, which is their new single day total. 5,500 mm -hmm. on Wednesday. You know, like even considering something like that, the idea that a week ago, John, we were talking about the fact that face masks were something that were, are some are things that are discouraged out of TV taping. To me, that seems so ludicrous. It seemed, and it seems like we're, we're way past the point of, of even having that sort of conversation. They, like, even tonight at AEW, like, I... You really get the sense that AEW believes that since they're doing like their testing, that it means everyone's clean, that everyone's safe and how masks are not mandatory for those that are the spectators in the crowd, for those that are all around. I mean, it's um, uh, masks to me. I it really hurts my head when I see these arguments and like what the mask has become a symbol of yeah. and this argument over it's absolute lunacy absolute fucking lunacy I, I would say like over the past several months the um western attitude towards the face mask has been a really interesting case to really study you know we started off i would say at the beginning of this whole thing uh with uh what is it like the the cdc saying that they weren't necessary and i think everybody's attitudes towards the mask is being like oh okay they're not really going to protect you anyway but then as the weeks we and weeks progress uh, Everything changes. We start to change, or at least a lot of us change our attitudes towards them, realizing that wearing the mask isn't necessarily to just protect ourselves, but it is to protect everybody else around us. And I would say, you know, maybe this entire time we should have been looking to the other countries where this ha they have where they have successfully managed to limit their numbers low and have successfully managed to contain this virus and. What what really is something that, you know, has helped a country like, you know, South Korea or like how Japan has been able to limit their numbers. And that's widespread use of face masks everywhere. So the fact that we're this thing is even up for debate right now and and, and the fact that it's even somehow some sort of like uh, bigger topic about freedom, uh, like, f like, fuck the off, get the fuck out of here. It's like, yeah. like I, I literally like got into an argument with a guy on the street last week. For wearing my mask. I'm like, dude, like, you're out of your goddamn mind. Like, I just, I don't understand this. I, like, literally stopped because I was like, no, I, I would like to engage in this conversation because I really want to see what is between your ears here that gets you to that mm -hmm. viewpoint. I'm really curious. Yeah. And it's just, like, such misinformation that's out there and just, like, no knowledge, like, no factual understanding. And it's it's dangerous. It's really dangerous when you're just so naive to just such simple things like that. Can you imagine if somebody like, you know, like you're driving next to you goes, can you please take off that seatbelt? You wearing that seatbelt is offensive. That's the, go the government is restricting you.
That's 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 what the government trying to tell you. It's imposing on your freedom to fly through this windshield. <laughs> so WWE, um, you know, we we reached out uh, over these uh, reports about the positive tests and their statement. WWE will continue COVID nineteen testing of its talent, production crew, and employees in advance of TV productions for the foreseeable future. Uh, another ability for the WWE to say absolutely nothing, although, I mean, flat out does not deny, you know, about these positive tests. So it's like, I mean, they're not denying it. The key to these WWE statements is what are they not saying versus what they are saying? And that's how you kind of read between the lines here. So did they say that they're going to be testing for the foreseeable future? Does that, does yes. that mean every taping? That's what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. For okay, the foreseeable so. future. So until, the, until Vince McMahon decides that the coronavirus is done and it's over. And with this type of testing, it is the type of testing that they will require all their talents to be there one day ahead of time. Well, I think that they're, you know, I, I was told by one person that the, people were being told that they would have to be there on uh, to get there early to, to have this testing done. So it would sound like most have to be there. Um, Thursday, probably Thursday morning, I'm guessing, to be able to get this testing done. And then they would be taping because they're doing Raw and SmackDown on Friday. Um, I would imagine that they would do SmackDown. Well, I guess it'll depend on if any tests are delayed like the last time. um, They can play with time a little bit, but SmackDown, you know, they have to get that episode done for that evening. I guess worst case they could go live. I guess that's an option. But uh, as of last week, it was going to be live to tape. Yeah. So going forward, I mean, I mean, I, I imagine more changes to that taping schedule, perhaps in the future. And uh, yeah, we shall see if any other talents decide to join Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns and not. I can't up. believe I can't believe that there wouldn't be more at this point. That this is okay. Florida is a disaster, period, and much less doing this where. I mean, this company has hardly gone to uh, the ends of the earth. I mean, uh, Paul Levesque's magic spray is not exactly holding up to, to scrutiny this week. <laughs> the magic spray, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Remember Hunter's Hunter's <laughs> magical spray. <laughs> the magic spray, yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it, it has some effect, but certainly I, I don't hear much talk about other leagues using it um, or other anything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll see. It's a developing story. And I mean, if this, if, if it's like a surge of positive cases, like who knows who will be available or not available uh, th- this week and others that might be uh, technically available to do shows, but are no longer comfortable. So I think that there's certainly that concern as we go into this. And this is the point where WWE by skirting a lot of these you know, methods and being so brazen in their taping schedules and the frequency of them that, listen, they had the ability that they could have, you know, been doing these once a month where they do maybe three to four days of intense tapings and then you're good for a month. And instead, it's been biweekly, by and large, that they've been doing. And here they are that there's, you know, I I, I expect a, a SmackDown episode. It, they'll produce an episode somehow. But look, look at what they're facing now, where these, these test results are coming back. And it's, you know, th- this is a very precarious situation. 
do you think that they will announce the names of the the the, the people? I don't. I, I don't. We we didn't get any names publicly announced the, la- the for the the first two positive tests that we were made aware of, and and I don't even know what le- if legally they they could disclose uh, that name. I think it would be up to the individual to choose to disclose that. Although, listen, um, I'm certain that you know it wasn't spelled out this way, but the fact that you know we're hearing about these positive positive cases in WWE and. Tony Khan announces John Moxley is not here tonight because of coming into contact with someone who may have come into contact with COVID-19. I don't think it takes uh, detective work to figure out like that this has, you know, that the common denominator here is Renee Young in the middle here who I, Tony Khan did state coming into contact with someone who may have come into contact. So that's not saying uh, Renee Young is the person, but Renee Young may have, co- may have come into contact with somebody um, that's positive. That's an assumption, though. Like, um, we, we don't know. I, in fact, I, 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 yeah, we don't know if that per- we don't know who Moxley would have come into contact with. Well, we know, we know he came into contact with Renee Young, and we know Renee Young was at these tapings. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not saying anything about Renee Young's case, but it is saying that she was around all of these people, and we know that there's positive cases. Sure, or he could have gone out for to dinner with a healthcare worker or something. It's I don't know if we could speculate. Well, all I'm saying is that how how can you not draw that like they live together? I mean, yeah, like th- that's, I mean, that's, but a lot that's of, irrefutable. Oh, well, for sure, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of wrestlers hang out with one another, so uh, for anybody. There are probably a lot of people people similar to John Moxley's situation. So that is the latest on on the WWE side of things. So yeah, John Moxley and QT Marshall were both um, taken off of tonight's AEW Dynamite. And I'll read exactly what uh, Tony Khan wrote because these were uh, posted Wednesday afternoon where he stated that since last week's show, in his everyday life, QT had brief contact with a non-wrestling acquaintance who since tested positive for COVID-19. Rather than risk bringing QT to our test site, our doc asked him to stay home and take a COVID test back in Georgia to protect the rest of us here. And then went on to add, recently, John Moxley had contact with someone who had contact with someone who has COVID-19. Mox did the right thing and warned us, Doc asked him to stay home and get tested to protect us here at our test site. And that's that was uh, the updates on those two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think, in, you know, it's a scenario where it's it's not a, an AEW talent that is um, even he himself has not contra- contracted the, the virus. And this is a precautionary step that I, I feel like was mostly met with like positive positivity from the Twitter universe, you know, um, certainly like getting the jump and making sure that any possibility of spread is limited. So um, I think it's, it's something that they are probably proud to announce. And I mean, we're forthcoming with it too. I mean, it could have been uh, just that they're pulled from the show and there's no explanation for it. And um, instead they not only publicly disclosed this through Tony Khan, they brought it up on the broadcast and they did not skirt around it or have some makeup reason. Like they just flat out told you what the situation was. 
Yeah, um, you know, you could see on the show, I would say neither, yeah, they did have a match announced for QT Marshall, but I would say neither were really integral to this show. And I think AEW was learning that it's more important to me to let your audience, to assure your audience that you are taking the coronavirus seriously. And in fact, I think if we're going to talk about it in more cynical terms, it is good PR to tell your audience that you are taking this thing seriously. Okay, a couple of uh, notes regarding um, further allegations. Um, Mike Quackenbush has announced, uh, I've been made aware of recent allegations about myself and people in my employ. I take all allegations seriously, whether they are about me or members of my team. Addressing these with openness and transparency is of the utmost importance to me, so these matters can be given the proper time and attention. I am discontinuing Chikara and resigning as head trainer at the Wrestle Factory. I'll make a full statement on these matters in the near future. Uh, this followed um, numerous people with Chikara publicly um, leaving the promotion on Wednesday. And then something uh, occurring in ECCW based out of uh, British Columbia, um, there were allegations made public. And then ECCW put out what I thought was a very vague statement on the matter where they just acknowledged that um, there had been allegations and they had removed the people who were uh, – made uh, connected to these allegations and they weren't going to speak further on the matter. They did not state who this affected, what the allegations were. And then, you know, a lot of people uh, connected with the company were discussing who this involved. And uh, I reached out to the person and it was uh, ECCW's uh, now former co-owner, Jeff Duncan, who told our site that he's no longer involved with ECCW He says, while I deny the allegations, I understand this course of action is best for the company. And this, look, a lot of people based um, out of that scene uh, have spoken about this and a lot have announced that they will no longer work for ECCW, including their champion, uh, Travis Williams, uh, but others like uh, Randy Myers, uh, Lisa Hall, Eli Surge, Elliot Tyler, you know, a lot of people connected uh, to that company are saying they will not work there any longer. So um, this, add those two companies to the list of of those that uh, impacted by allegations. And I guess just um, any kind of thoughts since we have spoken on on Monday way, things that um, have maybe caught your eye or just uh, some thoughts since we kind of tackled this on Monday as well. This is all continuing to be very, very fluid and more allegations coming out at uh, different levels. Yeah. Well, it seems like every single day there there's, you know, a, a big story um, and a new really subject to like reveal to just have a pretty disgusting, I think uh history um, of, of action uh, and activity. So uh, certainly this was a big story. Um, Marty squirrel himself issued a number of, um, uh, I guess, responses about his allegations, uh, which have certainly been, I think, uh, met with, you know, varying levels of, of critique. And also uh, David Lagana has issued uh, responses as well. Yes. Um, Marty Skrull has put out um, several statements um, talking about a sexual encounter with, uh, with a 16-year-old at the time. And, you know, he... 
he is stating he was not aware of her age at the time, and there's been you know a, a lot of uh, discussion about that. Uh, Ring of Honor has not stated anything publicly uh, in regards to Marty Skrull, uh, so we will await what they have to state. Uh, David Lagana is denying the sexual assault claim that Liz Savage made uh, back uh, last week, and uh, with that. You know, a lot has been uh, focused on past allegations involving David Lagana that were outlined in Matthew Rendazzo's book, uh, Ring of Hell. And uh, while David Lagana uh, did send us a statement about the recent allegation, I have done a, fo- a follow up uh, asking him to address those allegations as well um, surrounding his time in WWE. So, I mean, we, we could spend uh, this entire show going through all the allegations that are out there. That's uh, just a handful of them and it's been a pretty daunting couple of days uh when it comes to all of these and uh, i i i don't know if this is going to just be the tip of the iceberg and if there's going to be a lot more each day is presenting itself with with more and more of these allegations yeah 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 um it it feels like all that david star stuff that was a week ago that was a week ago that we talked about david star and then really it took foot the next day on thursday yeah, honestly, it's it's been an an incredible week, and, and again, um, I would say a very transformative week in a in a week of I think um, great exhibitions of courage from people that have come out with these incredibly difficult stories, opening themselves up to uh, a good amount of like criticism and harassment on the other way. I mean, you know, it's 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 been the truth. Hopefully, will eventually come out, but um, to at least open up the discussion, I I think right now is. You know, so what what we can all, I think, you know, hopefully, number one, learn something from and number two, to take out the like this, the trash, honestly, from like this business who which um, I think anybody listening to this really hopefully wants to see, you know, succeed and become better coming out of all this. Uh, and this is just hopefully just a, a, a period of growth that can really change this whole thing for the better. Yeah, I I think that there need to be enormous changes, and I don't know where. I mean, there's places it can begin, but it just feels like this is this is not some case where it's just um, a couple bad apples. This is so much deeper and so much more widespread, and it's just mm-hmm. um, it's alarming. It's it's one thing where you you understand and you hear about things like sexual assault or or racism for that matter but it's quite another when you see firsthand the impact that it has on people and now that they have a voice to really convey um the horror that comes with it and to see what so many of these women are are dealing with and men and 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 men as well but like how their day-to-day experiences are uh in this industry that you and i don't go through each day it's um i, I want to say it's like eye-opening just in the sense that it's it's something i i don't experience but it's you know coming from a perspective that i'll never be able to fully understand but i'm trying to certainly i i, I would say we all probably understand it a bit more today than we did a week ago and that in itself you know regardless of i think a lot of whatever if any outcomes concrete might come out of this whole thing i i would say like the past week has been incredibly educational in a in a in an empathetic sense you know for for at least some of us to be able to hear some of these stories and so um 
hopefully that in itself is able to provide some change. Uh, final things here. We mentioned the, the UFC. So this is the procedure that they will be putting the fighters through uh, ahead of these cards in Abu Dhabi. So first of all, you will they're sending the fighters to different anchor cities. Uh, this will include, uh, based on where you live in the world, you'll either be sent to Las Vegas, to Sao Paulo, Brazil, London, England, or Moscow, Russia. And there you will undergo your first COVID-19 testing and then be quarantined. Then you'll take a, uh, you'll take a flight and go to Abu Dhabi. There you will get your second COVID-19 testing while at the airport. Then you will be taken to the, to the hotel. And this is in their bubble that they're creating on Yas Island. From there, you will be quarantined in a room until your test results come back. From there, it's COVID-19 test number three at the hotel, followed by another quarantine period until you get those tests back. Then you will be allowed uh, certain abilities to uh, visit on the island uh, with some of the attractions they have. But again, you're in this bubble. Then there will be a pre-event COVID-19 test. You will then go through with your fight. From there, you will have another COVID-19 test. That's number five after the fight before you leave the island and then leave uh, by airplane. Five COVID-19 tests you will undergo across uh all the different locations no oh, wow that's with quarantine periods i mean you cannot uh, like this is pretty thorough when it comes to this nothing is risk averse but th this is significantly more than what they had been doing for previous fights like this is pretty intense that's more than people working in hospitals which um you know i i i i think <laughs> It should be applauded, honestly. Like, if you're going to take the risk of, like, putting these people into professional sports. Um, and just, just think of the cost associated. Like, yeah. this is not uh, cheap by any stretch. Just just going to Abu Dhabi, much less the testing when you're multiplying how all the fighters. Like, you're looking at roughly 12 fights per card. It's four cards times uh, five tests. Yeah, these, these seem to me the actions of a professional company. So there you go. And the last thing here, uh, Raw on Monday night, 1,922,000 viewers, uh, very similar to the week prior, second week in a row that they topped 1.9 million. Uh, they did a 0.53, same number in the demo. And uh, I guess what was interesting was the 12 to 34 demos because males were up 30% this week. Females were down 32%. They were the biggest fluctuations from last week. However... Even though the female category was down 32%, that audience was consistent for hour one, hour two, hour three. And that never happens in any of the demos. They always drop by, you know, numerous percentage points. But they were even from hour one to hour three. So that was kind of interesting. But in terms of the audience way, week two, uh, since the creative shakeup, and they do top 1.9 million viewers. Do you take that as a success? I think so. I think you have to, right? Anything that seems to stop the bleeding at this point, I think should be treated as such. 
Yeah, I think that, the, you know, it's it tells me that the the way they're formatting the show, um, whether this will be long term or not, uh, for these two weeks, you have to be happy with these numbers that they have stopped declining and have kind of reached this uh, stabilization point. So we will see if that continues. All of the news is up at postwrestling.com, a very, very lengthy uh News update from Wednesday, uh, including some really interesting information about DVR viewership, if you're curious about um, the difference between DVR viewership for Total Bellas versus the UFC. It's Hmm. quite the stark difference. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how many people are tuning in live for Total Bellas. Um, it's not necessary, but they are getting around to it. It's, it's quite the jump afterwards. So anyway, uh, uh, some of the other things we should mention on the site, of course, uh, Mike Murray continues to update everybody on the uh, New Japan Cup. He's been uh, writing those reports every single day. Also, uh, Andrew Thompson this week is dedicating all of his po- uh, post-wrestling news updates to women's wrestling news, women's wrestling-related updates. So do check that out. And Thursday, there will be a new edition of the British Wrestling Experience with Benno, Jamesy, and Martin Bushby. Yes. All right, let us, uh, and Wayne and I will be back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown live. So check that out Mm -hmm. after SmackDown. Probably a lot to discuss after that episode. But we get into Dynamite from Daly's Place. This was a new live episode. Before that, how about a t-shirt? Why not? Yes. Um, Maybe you can take this t-shirt and make a homemade mask with it. That would be great. You know, I do have the option to, like, make masks, but I've never felt right about, like, Selling supplying health care like PPE. You know, not that I would even consider this PPE, but I just it feels weird. So you can take a shirt and turn it into a mask, sure. Why not? All right. Well, all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe are always entered into a draw each Wednesday to win a t-shirt from store.postwrestling.com. Way has the list of names. He is the arbiter of the winner each week. And Way, who is that winner? Congratulations to Al. Al. Al? You're kidding. Yes, Al. Congratulations to you from Phillipsburg, New Jersey. So all the Al's that just went, it's me. Unless you're Al from Phillipsburg, New Jersey, um, sorry to disappoint you. But if you are from Phillipsburg, New Jersey, and your name is Al, congratulations. You win a t-shirt from store.postwrestling.com. Now, if this shirt is coming from one of the the highly hit areas, one of the states, uh, will this shirt have to quarantine for 14 days in New Jersey? Um, it's, uh, no. Okay. Shirt's safe. Well, there you go. Congratulations, Al. <laughs> Let's get into Dynamite. Uh, from Daly's Place, we kick things off with the Lumberjack match between Wardlow and Luchasaurus. The Lumberjacks included the best friends who were literally dressed up as Lumberjacks, and they swarmed Luchasaurus. We had the heel Lumberjacks and the babyface Lumberjacks, and we see uh, Wardlow get hit with a one-man Spanish fly, and then they proceed to leave the ring area for a very long period of time. Jim Ross does not know how Rick Knox is keeping count, and there's a big power slam on the ramp, and then Jungle Boy gets tossed onto the heel Lumberjacks, And then Marco stunt dives onto all of them. And this just became a stunt show as they fought onto the stage. And Brandon Cutler leaps onto Wardlow. He is thrown off the stage and caught. Then Marco's stunt is pressed in the air by Wardlow and just thrown into orbit and then comes down on all the lumberjacks. 
There's a spinning wheel kick that sends Wardlow off the stage, culminating with Luchasaurus hitting a shooting star press off the stage to everybody. And then they go back into the ring. MJF gets involved on the apron, and Jungle Boy comes in, spears MJF off the apron to the floor, but then a low blow is hit on Luchasaurus, and Wardlow wins with the F10 in 9 minutes, 15 seconds, and then everybody brawls inside the ring. I thought this was a lot of fun. I mean, number one, it's fun seeing, like, you know, two of your larger guys on the roster who are also very agile, just, like, you know, showcase uh, themselves against each other. I mean, Lumberjack matches tend to you know, by nature, be very confining and uh, not that dynamic. So I really did not mind them going out, out outside of the of the ring here to do a lot of their spots. I mean, and really, it was just an excuse for them to get to that ramp so that they could throw people into the pile of bodies below and for the guys themselves, Luchasaurus and Wardlow, to do dives themselves. I thought it was fun. There was always something interesting going on in this match. Yeah, it was just, you know, fast action for nine nine minutes and doing the stunts off of the stage that, you know, people seem to get into. It was like, you know, two big guys doing some uh, fun stunts and and Jim Ross not appreciating the lack of account. Well, that Rick, Rick Knox is Rick Lax when it comes to counting. A lot of the refs are, I guess. Uh, and this also sets up MJF and Wardlow against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy at Fighter Fest. Yeah, which we'll get the uh, the full lineups for both nights uh, coming up next week. Which did you hear what NXT is doing next week? The Great American Bash. Wow, on Canada Day. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's it, uh, the Fourth of July is right after that. It's the week of the Fourth of July. Yes, exactly. I'm sure it has no other. They did not tag this as a special edition of NXT for any other reason other than their their patriotic nature. Now, is it only a one-day event, or are they going to spread that out into two weeks, too? Uh, well, the, the next week, I don't know if they're billing the second week as that as well, uh, but that's the uh, the whole double title match. Right. So Yeah, interesting. I It's fun for the viewer, so yeah, bring it on. It's crazy how uh, a company like peaks for a, a certain period and then the other company also peaks for the exact same nights it's crazy we're in the midst of a war yeah we had technique by taz as he went through uh brian cage's uh fast twitch muscles and a demo of the drill claw including the added detail of allowing the man's blood to pour into his head and his skull before dropping him i think we did he did he bring out a telestrator here or am i mistaken um telestrator uh, he he did, uh, yeah. He froze. There, there were there were graphic uh, right. accompaniments to this. Cool, yeah. Britt Baker is with Reba, and she's in a newly designed Rolls Royce that is covered with plexiglass. Yes, like um, like a boat mobile. Yeah, maybe Adam Cole snuck some plexiglass home. Uh, sir, it's the stuff is in great 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 demand right now in Florida. It's it's it saves everybody. Plexiglass. Then Hikaru Shida took on Red Velvet, and Shida got into Penelope Ford's face. She's there in the crowd. Shida argues with Ford. Um, I just said that twice. And then there's a high knee Falcon Arrow, and Shida pinned Red, Red Velvet in 12 seconds, and then goes right back to Penelope Ford. Gets right in her face. Kip Sabian's trying to stop her. Gets decked, and it was just a lot of aggression from Hikaru Shida. 
I love this. I love this entire segment. You know, it was like Sheeta number one getting involved in with Ford, and then like hold like you know hold my beer. Let me like get get rid of this jobber in twelve seconds, and then I'm gonna go right back to you and 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 attack you. It was it made Sheeta look like a badass, and it was just a very simple, I think, a pretty hot go home angle to lead to the pay per view. They didn't really have that much time to build to this particular match, but I think they made the most of it. Yeah, I think that it was it was fine for the for the segment it lasted, and I think AEW they they can do this every now and then, just do a quick quick fast ten second match. Yeah, I mean something unexpected. You know that whole Kenny Omega um, um, uh, uh, Angels Allen Angels match. I mean that was a point of uh, debate back way back when uh, a long time ago. The fact that you know it was a Kenny match against a jobber that that really went maybe longer than. Some people felt me, me personally. I felt like it, it should have, uh, but a lot of people feeling like they liked the match and therefore it didn't matter. I mean, I, I see the argument. Didn't need that for this, you know. This was like, I'm sure the the match with Sheeta and Red Velvet could have been really good, but I, I think it was more important to make Sheeta look like a total badass here, and it worked. Then we had highlights of the Cody Jake Hager press conference, which Jake Hager is late for. You um yeah, is that a, I mean that's a trope now, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, it's uh. But they went ahead here. They didn't wait for uh. They didn't just stay on live TV while they waited for someone to show up. So we had uh, for our media members Liz Hunter and Matt Brock from PWI, uh, which older fans will recognize as two of the fictitious writers from PWI, um. I, I thought that was pretty funny. And so they're the same thing. PWI I mean, they were in PW Insider. No, yeah. they're different though. Pro, pro, no, I'm talking Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Right, but the two names are fake. They're 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 they were aliases that were written in the. They weren't real people. Right, but but one of them works for PW Insider. No, sorry, did I say PW Insider? I think so. Oh well, P, PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the magazine, right. the physical magazine. Right. So Arn does a, a whole answer about how he thought the timing wasn't right, but then he saw how angry Cody was and thinks he's ready. And then Cody is asked what this title means, and he does this very deep speech about hope, including Ricky Starks last week, who had $3.64 to his name and left Dynamite with a job last week. I don't like meta wrestling. I don't like cosplay wrestling. I like professional wrestling. Which I, I don't know what cosplay wrestling means within the context of a pro wrestling program. Cosplay wrestling. Cosplay wrestling. Well, hmm. he says that this title... Oh, Kaiju. This, Kaiju Big Battle. Um, okay, sure. He says this title led us through the fog during the pandemic. And notes, it's an incomplete title. It's not finished yet. And then Hager and wife Catalina appear... And they have a face-off, they pose for the cameras, and then he puts his fist on Cody's cheek. And then, the big moment, Catalina tosses water onto Cody ahead of this match. I mean, that feels like a trope, too. They Throwing they water. checked off all the boxes here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hager just needs to steal his title, I think. But uh, I like this a lot. You know, uh, sports-like presentation, I mean, th that really has been the promise uh, since before AEW was even a thing, you know, uh, or at least before they debuted their first show was sports-like presentation. And 
I, I maybe depending on the week, depending on the storyline, they might have kind of tampered with that. Uh, but this was absolutely sports like presentation. I really like this thing, and more importantly, it just allowed somebody like Arn Anderson to the space to cut great promos and allowed Cody to give a very passionate speech. I liked how he mentioned, um, uh, or at least reminded the audience again that this was an incomplete title, and despite the title being complete, it still means a great deal to him because of what it represents. He's looking at this as like the company, like almost like a, a, a representation of, you know, uh, this company's very difficult time. And really the, I guess by extension, the world's very difficult time. Um, so he makes that belt despite it, I think being universally panned as a really ugly belt feel special. I, I mean, I was, I was waiting for him to explain like, you know, this tattoo is not finished yet. It's not complete. I'm still working on it. So yes. it's going to have a much bigger final uh, artistic uh, representation. See, my question is, what is the holdup with this? Like, like apparently like extra silver or gold plating. That's like, come on. It's been like a month and a half, hasn't it? Well, there um maybe it's like some some special gold that is you know from from Canada and the borders like they just can't ship it right now. Canadian you should, gold should have just given it to like uh, Evil Uno. You could have brought it over. You telling me like in in the whole of this continent, there's not a metal shop that's open right now? Probably not. Way too risky. Okay. I mean, they're in Florida. You by by the looks of things, it seems like everything's open. So I don't I don't know what the holdup is. Janela and Sunny Kiss, we got another uh, one of their uh, videos here. Uh, very well shot, these are. Like, this is, like, right out of, like, a, a drama on TNT. They, like, stop at the gas station, and Janela goes inside to pick up stuff while these guys approach Sunny Kiss and leads to this big, elaborate fight scene with Janela running out, and they're fighting in slow motion. I love these. You know, I, I, I don't know what reason brought these two together why they're teaming but i almost don't really care because i like the pairing so much they they just look so cool yeah i, I think these are really well done and it's given janelle and sunny kiss something on tv and led to what the announcer said was sunny kiss's first match on dynamite is that true uh i feel like weird. she's she's had a match on uh, definitely in the in a battle royal, uh, maybe not an official match. It's difficult for me to recall like an actual either a singles or even a tag match because what what tag match would he have been, been involved in? I don't know. So it's Brody Lee and Colt Cabana against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss, and Lee and Kiss begin and worked well here with with Lee like as this base for uh, Sonny Kiss to showcase a lot of uh, offensive maneuvers. They did a heart attack onto Colt Cabana and then double teamed them with a Boston Crab leg drop combination. And we went to break after one of the Dark Order members nailed Kiss with an Inseguri. And as we went to picture in picture, on TSN, picture in picture was a black screen. Seemed like they were having inconsistent picture in picture all. Did we even get one? Maybe we got one picture in picture in Canada, but like they would often throw to picture in picture and we would just get regular commercials. So. Maybe a bit of mis miscommunication this week. Yeah, I didn't know what the issue was here. So we come back. Kiss hits a 450 onto Cabana. Brody makes the save. Then the Dark Order saves Cabana. Kiss leaps onto both of them on the floor. Lee takes out Sonny Kiss with, with a super kick. And then Janela dives and looks like he's going for this tornado DDT to Lee, but instead just crashed into the guardrail. 
He's sent back in, discus lariat by Lee, and allows Colt Cabana to pin Janela at 9.06. And then after the match, Lance Archer jumps Sunny Kiss, and Janela whips a chair at Archer. He no-sells it, and Jake has to restrain Lance Archer. I thought they managed to achieve a whole lot here uh, in this match. Number one, I, I thought it was a really fun match. Uh, but two, you know, they had Brody Lee here essentially like do the work to help Colt Cabana get what was probably his first win in a long, long time. I I guess, you know, he's been kind of doing this like losing streak thing since that tournament. I don't even know if he got a win before that. So, you know, you had Colt here almost like play sort of like the naive guy, not realizing that, you know, there was a lot of outside interference that contributed to him getting his win. And he just looked so happy to be like in the on the winning side of, of a match for once. So I thought I thought there was some good storytelling there. I thought Cabana played sort of that naive character really well. And it's an intriguing storyline. And even though, you know, uh Kiss Kiss and Janela didn't get the win, to me they made the big biggest impression on in this match. Um immediately they just like you know, look like this really great, cool, like edgy babyface team with tremendous like tag team chemistry. So I think the their potential is is huge. I'm way more interested in Janela and Kiss right now of these two stories. Like to me, the like the Brody Lee Dark Order stuff. It just to me, I I I feel very similar. Like the whole Monday Night Messiah thing. Like it's just not clicking with me. But Janela and Kiss, I thought, um, you know, there there was some sloppiness in this. But I think that those two, like with these videos and stuff, like I think there's something there for sure. Mm-hmm. That's different from anything else that's you know on Dynamite right now. Mm-hmm. Sean Spears beat Pineapple Pete. With the loaded glove on AEW Dark, they dedicated time to this, but there's really no follow-up other than just, you know, listening to Wei Ting last week on this podcast and said, you know what? The ticker isn't enough. Wei wants footage of Dark. Let's give him some fucking footage. Well, if 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 you saw it on t- on the show this week, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's something they were already thinking about for quite a while. Uh, and they didn't necessarily, you know, give you a recap of everything because they didn't need to. It's only the relevant things that really need to be told to the rest of the audience. And to me, this was certainly relevant. You know, we saw Tully give Sean this this glove. And now we know what the glove is for. It's it's a loaded glove. Was that the original weapon as well? Um, I mean, this is just, the, yeah, the standard, like, loaded glove. And, um, yeah, okay. that's about it. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that they just did this on Dark, um, considering it's, I thought it was something that was going to be treated with a bit more importance, and it still could be, but you you would figure they would debut it on Dynamite. Next was Daniels and Kazarian against FTR. Ali had a sign in the front row, I miss my QT, and Ross puts over FTR because they used a tag rope. Other teams don't even know what it is or how to use it. And they explain the legitimate reason why QT Marshall is not here tonight. And Jim Ross gives a PSA about the virus. It does not discriminate. It's nonpartisan. And it wear and wear your mask is what Jim Ross tells everybody. Hmm. Yeah. It's you know. It, I think it shows a level of respect for your audience to just like talk about it rather than to try to hide it. I understand like WWE's philosophy is not to want to remind people of all the stuff that's going on in the world, but I mean. I actually end up thinking about it even more when it's like, you know, um, kind of just hidden like that. And ultimately, I think, especially if you're an announcer and really just as a company, you want to give the impression that you're being as open and honest and genuine with your presentation as you can. 
in my opinion, you know, and that means being upfront about things like this. To a point. I mean, we, we didn't get uh, Matt Hardy's taking on Santana tonight. Uh, Santana's taking the spot of Sammy Guevara, who is not here tonight. <laughs> You're right. I mean, yes. There are lengths. There are, there are lengths and limitations. Well, listen, like I said, I, I think, you know, there are companies that are out there right now that realize being safe and, you know, talking and being upfront about how the links you're going to um uh to take precautions uh, against COVID 19 um that in itself is a, is a way of like um earning goodwill it's good pr mentioning that you have somebody on your roster who is currently suspended because he made a terrible comment uh about rape <laughs> several years ago on a podcast and uh, jimmy havoc was not there either of course no, that does not bring you any sort of good PR. Uh, so I can understand. Given given the fact that this is the show that acknowledges what's going on in the world, did you expect them at all mm. to touch upon any of the speaking out stuff, like just in a general sense, in any way? You know, I certainly thought about it. You know, at the very least, maybe something like opening, um, like a graphic, something simple with like right. the hashtag, just to acknowledge it. Um, so, you know, the fact that they didn't, I'm not necessarily disappointed by, but I think it would have been a really nice gesture to just acknowledge, hey, this is like the biggest thing in our industry right now. And, you know, um, to applaud the people that have come out. Yeah, I like I, I don't know how you do it in like a tactful way that's, you know, that just is that you work into yeah, maybe it's, it's something right off the top of the show where it's it's brandy or it's several of the women because i think the message should come from them mm-hmm. m- less than you know your male announced team um but I, it was something i thought today it wasn't something i was necessarily expecting but uh, obviously if there was going to be a show tonight that addressed it it would be this one it's uh, it's 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 still obviously a very hot button topic mm-hmm. right now and i i I I really feel like it's changing by the day and that we could be talking about a new set of allegations. Almost for sure we'll be talking about a new set of allegations tomorrow and they could very well feature people that work across any sort of promotion including yeah, and, yeah, and to that point like it might not have been received well coming from a, a company where I mean people could look at it, you know, that this 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 did not these allegations did not uh it affected people on on or I shouldn't say affected, but there were people on their roster that it involved. So maybe people would not take it as a genuine message, especially so close to those allegations True. coming out with Jimmy Havoc. And, you know, I, I I did not believe that anyone, you know, had to say something about it, but it was something I thought of today mm-hmm. if they would address it or not. Mm-hmm. So back to the tag match. Um uh, the the four of them get into this big shoving match. Um, we come back from break. Dax does the slingshot suplex and then puts up the four fingers. So it's something they're they're certainly dangling there about you know just these these little Easter eggs that they're throwing with the the, the four fingers that we've seen. Uh, you know, Cody make reference to. We saw here. Um, there's there's certainly those hints. I find it really interesting. And I mean, if the potential here is for some sort of like four like new generation of four horsemen. I, I, I'm certainly intrigued and, and little hints like this, I think are a great way of, of like building up that tease. 
Daniels uh, gets his inside cradle, but Paul Turner is dealing with Kazarian. So Cash Wheeler comes in to try and turn it back over. Uh, Kazarian ends up hitting the the uh, the Tomikaze, or later the Unprettier. Uh, Wheeler comes back, catapults Daniels. They hit the uh, the Vegematic onto Daniels, and he kicks out, which they say he was able to kick out from due to grit. A lot of grit yeah. going around this industry right now. I mean, did grit exist before twenty twenty? It's made a huge comeback in 2020. Yeah. Huge. Wow. Yeah. And, and a big amount of it is on the sidelines now with a torn tricep. So there was a lot of free available grit in Florida. Daniel's got a piece of it. There's a lot of grit. Grit is lit. Daniel's countered a super superplex in midair, which looks super cool on Dax. And then finally they catch Daniel's with the Goodnight Express, 12 minutes, 39 seconds. I, lo- I thought this was a great match. Yeah, really, really solid. Um, and another excellent showcase for FTR, who are really delivering on the promise of like bringing back solid old school wrestling. Um, yeah. They- like these guys, you can give these guys 14 minutes every week, and it's you have so many teams to work with. Uh, this, you know, Kazarian and Daniels, it's, it's always solid, good work. Uh, but they, like, especially Kazarian, I thought this was like a great performance from him. This was just a super fun tag match. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, they fit in so well with I think you know what what Cody was talking about about sort of <laughs> I guess the non cosplay wrestling so much so that uh, like those those four horsemen teases you can already picture these guys in a stable together like representing this old school style. Definitely, uh, FTR does a promo said they weren't a welcome addition here to the AEW roster. We don't have athletic backgrounds that you like, Jim Ross, but we are the baddest. And they address all the different teams, but say the young bucks are at the top of the list. And you've graduated from the kiddie table to eat with the grown-ups, and you've bit off more than you can chew. This is a really great promo from uh, Dax Harwood. And they are the best team on the planet. When Butcher and the Blade appear, and they're in FTR's truck, and Blade has a pipe. And I'm just thinking, oh my god, we are going to get another vehicle destroyed. This has to be a record for this month. Don't bring nice cars to wrestling shows. No, guys, take an Uber or take a... I mean, that Rolls Royce, let's be honest. That thing's getting shattered. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's already got trash thrown into it this week. So, yeah, leave your... Like, only bring rentals and make sure you get the insurance. So, Blade sets up this challenge. And it was supposed to be this big reveal. Unfortunately, the cue was missed here because Pentagon and Phoenix are in the ring either way too early or they cut to them before they should have because it certainly like you saw them before blade and he, blade is kind of caught up here and has to just get the challenge out to make this eight man tag uh, challenge for fighter fest uh, which ultimately happens and is accepted after FTR and the Lucha brothers start fighting and they Phoenix and Pentagon hit the foot stomp package pile driver combo. The bucks run down as the Lucha brothers leave with butcher and the blade in this pickup truck and I just am watching this and I could not imagine these four hanging out together, uh, the painters and the Lucha brothers in this pickup truck, uh, going down the highway in Florida together. But that is our eight man tag that we will get in two weeks time. Young bucks and FTR teaming against butcher blade and the Lucha brothers. And this was our first, uh, our return of Pentagon there hasn't been here since March Phoenix too. 
Phoenix, we got that one week, remember, where he yeah. did dark we and he injured. was he was on once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm really happy to see both of these guys back. Um, that said, I, I did kind of feel like they're like I expected their return to be a little bit bigger than this. But at the same time, it's like this card is already pretty full and like your main storylines right now, you know, involve FTR, involve the Bucks. They even involve the Butcher and the Blade. So I think you're just maybe at the point where you have to try to squeeze Penta and Phoenix in somehow before you actually get to a story. Um, it also begs the question of when we might see Pac return and, and those guys reuniting. But I'm really happy to see it. I think the match is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be awesome. And I hope we get to see a ride-along of uh, the ensuing car ride between uh, Butcher and the Blade and, and Penta and Phoenix. Yeah. So, um, Jim Ross, uh, we had this video preview for the tag title match with Omega and Page against the Best Friends. And this featured interviews with Jim Ross, with Taz, with Shivani. It started off, like, very, very, uh, very comedic. Um, talk about Omega and Page's drinking and best friends and their propensity for hugging and how it gives them strength. And then you had like the analysts that are like breaking this down seriously. And Omega talks about how their chemistry came natural and they had the greatest tag match in history. And by the end, this turned into serious promos that the four were cutting on each other uh, for the match. Yep. Nice, simple. Yeah. Then we had a tape promo from Moxley previewing the Brian Cage match, and it was supposed to be John Moxley in action this week with Taz on commentary. So instead, it was Brian Cage having a match with Taz on commentary. And they talk about, let's get this guy's name out there so that he can hear his name on national TV. This is Joe Cruz, and Excalibur slides it in at the end that it is John Cruz. <laughs> so... He did get his name by the end of it. Uh, he got murdered with a power bomb from the ramp into the ring and the drill claw in a minute 23. Quick. And, yep. and Br- Britt Baker offered free dental service for John Cruz after this match. Well, that's that's wonderful. That's nice. Quick squash. You know, Brian Cage looked impressive. I mean, I almost I, – I, I imagine if, if Moxley were to be on the show, it would have probably been a similar – squash type of match maybe even a bit of a longer match but i definitely think you can make the argument that this might have ended up even better because cage could use a big one like this a big squash one like this heading into his title match coming up so yeah i thought this was fine yeah um providing um moxley can can travel true yeah i mean you know it it is it is worth noting his is in um, so next week they'll be taping on Wednesday and Thursday. So it would be Thursday that they would be taping this match. Okay. So he gets a, a, a bit longer, but you know, it is also like secondhand exposure and I don't know necessarily like if that is still, um, like, you know, I expected 14 day quarantine. Well, I mean, they, they, they were saying he was going to get tested, right? Did they? I missed that. Uh, I'll let me pull up the exact comment because I mean, if it's a case of like getting testing, it's like you you don't assume, but you know you never. But the know. incubation uh, period is is still, you know, different. Still, but is it even up to the fourteen? Yeah, it said uh, uh, Doc asked him to stay home and get tested. So okay, I mean, he does have to get tested. I expect he'll you know provided everything is is fine. I I, I think he'll they're they're probably quite confident he'll be there. Taz came into the ring, mocks, mocks Moxley for not being here, and then says, <laughs> there he is, as he points to the camera. He's behind the lens. And he 
cuts this promo on Moxley. Brian Cage came to work while you're at home with some bullshit excuse. I was like, uh. waiting for Taz to just cut a promo on COVID-19. He says his championship is in grave danger. You will be done. Cage is unsafe. Can you stop the path of Cage? Uh, I'm always down for angry Taz. Oh, man. I'm honestly like amazed. I, I, obviously, I think we all know how 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 good he was. I'm quite amazed that he like still has every bit of that ECW Taz within him. Like after years of doing commentary for WWE, like Joey numbers, like podcasts, can he still get angry? Can he still get mean? And he definitely still can. So intensity is just all the way up. I mean, yeah, this to me doesn't necessarily feel like it's the hottest program on the show. Uh, Much like, you know, Moxley's other title program last month against Brody Lee. It really did feel like, it is second from perhaps, you know, more of the, I would even say like Cody's program at this point, but it, it, it's having Taz a part of this act has definitely elevated it greatly. Okay. We have news. Okay. All right. From Renee Young, man, what a few days my show gets canceled and I get COVID wear, Whoa. wear your masks and wash your hands. Stay safe, everyone. God. Okay. There you go. Uh, and that would almost certainly mean John Moxley uh, would have had direct exposure. Yes, I would think that this um, would definitely put that uh, into doubt what we were just talking about for uh, for next week, and that's really not even a concern. So not even not even secondhand. We're talking about firsthand. This is uh, this would be this would be direct. Yeah, uh, unless I mean they were somehow separated throughout this. Period. Uh, yeah, I guess there there is always that possibility that if Renee had been staying in Florida, there's uh, it's it's worth noting that could be a possibility. Okay, so uh, big news, honestly, like probably the biggest news to come out of at least this story today is is the fact that we have our first like on air talent that under WWE's employment that was named. And yeah, and and I again it was it was her disclosing this. So I think it's certainly going to be a case where it will be left to if someone tests positive, they will be it will be left to them if they want to disclose that publicly or not. And now we have to like, you know, ask questions about contact tracing and how good the WWE can perform a task like that. Yeah. Um yeah, I I would say like, you know, think of all the people she would have come into contact with at the tapings. I mean, uh, you know, everyone there, like it's a, it's a very small number that's there, but they're all interacting. And she has a position where, I mean, she's sharing a microphone with people. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, hopefully she, uh, recovers fully from this. And yeah, that's the only, that's the only publicly disclosed one of in WWE right now. So getting back to this, uh, we went backstage and Brody Lee was with Colt Cabana. Colt says it felt good to win and Lee issues out a challenge to SCU. Cabana's a bit reluctant, but he's going to go along because Brody Lee has led him to the path of victory. And they laid out the cards for Fighter Fest. So next week on the show, we're going to get MJF and Wardlow against Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Private Party with Matt Hardy in their corner against Ortiz and Santana. Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford for the women's title. Cody versus Jake Haggart for the TNT title. And Kenny Omega, Hangman Page versus Best Friends for the tag titles. 
The following week, July 8th, it's Joey Janela versus Lance Archer. Nyla Rose in action and has a big surprise. SCU against Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, and Stu Grayson. Jericho, Orange Cassidy, Bucks and FTR against Butcher, Blade, and the Lucha Bros. And John Moxley versus Brian Cage for the AEW title. I think these are really solid-looking shows. And, you know, the task, I, I would say, with these shows, they are certainly going to be lesser than your Revolution and or all, all Out and all that stuff. But, like, this feels definitely like it's, it's a big TV show. Um, and I would say even, like, something that I would have gladly, you know, stayed up on a Saturday to watch just, you know, and look, uh, would, I would look forward to watching for maybe even two nights. Like, it is... I think a really good B level pay-per-view that they're you know, putting on TV. I do too. And I hope that they experiment with this more. I think you can do this a few times a year. I wouldn't overdo it, but I think that this is something you, you can do every now and then. And obviously that's going to be contingent on how much of an increase you get in your audience uh, after promoting two episodes for a month. Mm -hmm. So those will be interesting ones. Britt Baker is uh, – she's been in her uh, Rolls Royce the whole match and she's uh, sending up messages to Tony and Big Swole appears and Baker is pretending she can't hear her because of the plexiglass. So Swole goes to leave but then appears over top of Baker and dumps trash on top of her and then in maybe the funniest scene I've seen on a wrestling show in a long time and God knows this week we needed something funny, Reba – tries to chase off Big Swole and get her to stop by the use of a leaf blower. <laughs> she had this leaf blower on and was trying to, like, send Why would she Big have a leaf Swole? blower? I have no idea, but this was I, – I thought this was the funniest visual I've seen on a wrestling show. It was – hysterical oh how how she had a leaf blower you know like Britt baker uh, honestly has definitely i think been one of the funniest people in wrestling if not the funniest people in wrestling during these past several months but definitely like a low-key best supporting actress might be reba she's she's been a fantastic like you, know, you need that person character. to work off of it just yeah. it makes it's so much more funny when you have someone there to work off of. And she's she was great and totally won me over with the sleeve blower mm -hmm. uh, moment on the show. It was, it was hilarious. It made Swole look really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, if... Um, They're going to have to do the, keep this up for quite a bit. <laughs> she's going to have to go through a lot of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> she had a good line in here. Baker said that even though I was in the dumpster for nine and a half hours, you're still a you're still a bigger piece of garbage than I was or something like that. I'm butchering the line, but it was a good line from, from her delivery, not mine. Santana versus Matt Hardy. This was originally Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara that got changed. And Matt Hardy is now Neo one nature's electronic organism. He is, he is Neo one. I thought Neo one was the, the new van. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the new Vanguard. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have all this stuff straight. Um, which announcer uh, explained what Neo One stands for? Was it Jim Ross or Excalibur? Which one do you think? <laughs> uh, you know, could you see like ninety seven JR explaining this? What about like eighty eighty nine Jim Ross? No, certainly not. He's but got him. He's got the nature's electronic organism. <laughs> Wait a second though. Ninety seven JR had to do a whole lot of shit too. Like the guy had to tell the whole Kane story and. 
Oh, I know. Yeah, he had to, you know, talk. You know, Kane's a murderer. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot he had to call. Um, Santana missed the splash off the top. Ortiz ran in as Hardy had the cover, and then there's this running cradle shock by Santana. Hardy then turned it into a, a bridging cradle and pinned him in 10:54. Afterwards, they beat down Matt, hit the street sweeper, and Private Party ran down. Uh, this match really didn't uh, hit me. Just the match, you know. I mean, there are a lot of jobber matches, squash matches on on the show. This uh, of the matches of, of considerable length, I thought this was just kind of there, just all right. I I I I did wonder how this would have changed if Sammy was facing Matt Hardy instead, and what they would have come out of the segment with if it was going to be any different. Do you probably think it would have? probably would have been a six man, right? It would have been Santana Ortiz and Guevara against Matt and Private Party. That would be my guess. Right. So instead, they would have to pick somebody else. Uh, oh, instead, it's a tag match. I mean, yeah, yeah. And they just got Matt Hardy in the corner. So I imagine it was just going to build to a six-man. So final segment was the face-off between Orange Cassidy and Jericho. They come out, and Jericho asks, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Orange Cassidy is the chicken crossing the road joke of professional wrestling. And he pisses Jericho off. He asked Tony Khan and the others why they even signed this guy. But he said, like Brian Pillman once said, you have to be different. And you got over on your own because you're a lot like them. And I don't know who he was referring to because these were em- empty seats. But I, th- I think we got the gist of what he meant. You're lazy and you're a slacker. And if you try any of that bullshit offense, like kicking me in the shins, I'm going to beat the shit out of you in 30 seconds. And you're going to need a man-size miracle. And he says that the Orange Cassidy phenomenon will be over as I make sure you run out of juice. Cassidy takes the microphone away, puts it down, does the limp kicks, then the super kick, and puts his hands in his pockets as Jericho then removes Orange Cassidy's Ray-Bans and breaks them right in front of him. And Orange Cassidy, that is too far, takes him down with a double leg, and they fight to the floor. They have a pretty uh, intense fight here. They go into the stands where there's all these spectators, just hanging around a lot, actually. Yeah, like a lot. And I mean, I I really would hope that uh you know every single person in that in that crowd was tested. I mean, that's what we know. I, I guess thus far of, of what AEW's been doing. But man, there are a lot of people, and they sounded great. Like this week, I, I would say the crowd almost sounded better than previous weeks because I don't know if they were just concentrating people in one particular area and just really boosting that mic or what. But they sounded great. Uh, but you know, I, I, after everything that we've been talking about, I, I still definitely do have concerns seeing like these gatherings like that. But anyway, the big spot is Jericho swings a jib camera into orange Cassidy and they bring up, uh, orange Cassidy's camera work last week, which orange Cassidy was on camera for that match. He was on camera 12 throughout the match. That's amazing. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. They should really put out like a video, like from his camera of that match. If they can. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just take his, uh, his footage. Uh, at this point, Cassidy is bleeding from the right ear and not a tiny about either. Like it's dripping 
and he runs down the stairs. Superman punches Jericho off this uh, production box, and Jericho goes through the table. Cassidy puts his shirt on, and there's blood dripping all over the shirt from his ear, and that's how the show ends. So th- that did not look any fun, this ear injury that he got. The cut, yeah. But, uh, I mean, visually, it uh, it added. It did. It did. Yep. You know, I thought this was a great go-home angle. You know, I love the way Jericho started it out. Uh, kind of like, very different, very mysterious. Why did the chicken cross the road? Why did the chicken cross the road? And then uh, talking about, you know, using it as a way to talk about how tired of a joke Orange Cassidy is. And I think the big question, you know, when they were advertising this face-to-face with with Orange Cassidy was, how are you going to do one of these go home talking segments with a guy who never talks. And I thought they did a great job. You know, this played out almost like a silent film. Once orange Cassidy took control, he didn't say a word, got right into the kicks. You had Jericho respond with his own nonverbal attack by breaking those glasses. And you got right into the action with the baby face coming out on top. Like it worked really well. And especially, you know, for better or worse, having this like, crowd there really kind of fill in that silence for orange cassidy spots they were really necessary in that sense um but uh overall the product i thought it came out really well i thought i really enjoyed the segment really good i mean this is one of those matches i uh i I hate to even bring it up for just the the exact reasons like we, we talk about you know having these people here but then at the same time we also talk about like the atmosphere of these shows like obviously this match tailor-made to take place in front of a crowd but i'm still looking forward to it and, and what they do like they I, I think ratings wise i think this will be a big hit in two weeks time i think so too i think so too i mean i think it's you know it's been part of their playbook really to build up to a big match and then to reap the rewards when that match happens. I think it that's pro wrestling and I think it always works. So I, I, I can, exp- I would expect, you know, good results for AEW next week. So that was uh, AEW, the go home show for fighter fest. Um, you know, I, I thought an average episode. I wouldn't say this was a, a blow-away great show. I really enjoyed the tag match with, with FTR. Closing segment uh, built well. I, I would say they did it. They did a, a fairly standard good job, you know, promoting these upcoming matches over the next two weeks that I, I would say that, you know, they – in this in this kind of pandemic period um, – I would say in normal times, you'd be shooting for like a million viewers for these episodes. I think that sounds pretty ambitious for either week to hit. Um, but mm. but I would I would say that you would hope that a month of build um, and granted that there isn't like some major news event that would take viewership away that th- these ones you would hope top 900. I, I think that would be, you know, uh, a relative number that you would hope you can hit for these. What's been their best one post COVID? Uh, post COVID, I can uh, I can pull it up. Well, in I mean, do you think it'll here, do? It'll be their best show ratings wise since the coronavirus. I think that yeah, I, I do. I, I I do feel they they should be able to to hit that. I mean, for for given like they have promoted this almost as like a mini pay per view, I would say that um, you know that that would certainly be the the hope. I mean, they they have hit their highest during this this whole period uh, would have been eight twenty seven uh, for for May. 
Oh, I'm looking at NXT's numbers. I'm like, where is this 827 number? Yeah, that that that's probably it. I was very uh, that, lost here. 827. So I would say like both shows, I would I would say 827 would be disappointing for either week. Mm, interesting. Um, you yeah, don't see we'll them see. hitting that that level. I do, I do, I do. I just uh, I don't. I wonder how much higher if if that. Um, I, I know it'll be a real test to see like how much of the audience, um, you know, is craving wrestling right now and haven't mm-hmm. been driven away because of all this stuff. And I, yeah. I do think that at least for like any, uh, AEW's audience, this is their biggest swing at that. So um, the very first yeah. week that they had uh, the empty arena show at Daly's place, they did nine thirty two. But I think all the shows did well that first week because there mm-hmm. was the curiosity of what the show would look like, which that's what I attributed to. So I almost throw it that week that. Yeah, eight twenty seven on May twenty seventh is really the the realistic biggest number that they've done. So NXT has the Great American Bash, of course, and the matches that they've announced thus far: Dexter Loomis versus Roderick Strong in a strap match. They also have a number uh, number one contender fatal four way between Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, and Dakota Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that's been announced yet, but. I don't know. If That's not very big. Two, no. I mean, it seems like a rather weak attempt to like use that name to like as a last minute thing, but they need something else. Let's see. Uh yeah, and, and do you think the double title thing is gonna be big with uh Cole and Lee? That seems like bigger, you know. So why they're calling this one the Great American Bash and not saving it for the eighth? You know what they should have called it? The greatest American bash. <laughs> Absolutely. Ever. Throw an ever in there. The greatest American bash ever. <laughs> and that's pretty good. Yeah, honestly, next week just seems to have a name attached to it. Unless they announce some bigger matches for this card, but like Roderick Strong and Dexter Loomis in a strap match and a fatal four-way number one contender match does not feel pay-per-view caliber to me. All right. Well, let's go to the forum and see what everybody thought about this show. I always look for, forward to the uh, the forum response. See if they just uh, completely throw their opinions back at us in a different way. Tonight's show, what would you give the show away? Uh, you know, I grade shows, like Go Home shows, based on, I think, how, how excited they get me for the pay-per-view. Uh, in this case, not necessarily a pay-per-view, but next week's show. But I think they did a really good job. I'm going to give the show a 7 out of 10. A 7 out of 10. Well, 7.79. So there you go. Andrew from Cape Breton starts us off. Dynamite is pretty good. I will give AEW a bit of credit as they seem to be at least slightly ahead of the curve when it came to testing people for COVID-19. And it's astounding to see what's happening in Florida, especially as there haven't been any new cases in Nova Scotia for weeks. I'm hoping that that's where AEW should move. Yes. I don't think they want AEW, WWE or anybody. I think Nova Scotia is like, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We got TSN here. I'm hoping that AEW can keep up what they're doing, but it's almost inevitable at this point that someone is going to get it even there. I will admit I feel better watching AEW with their lack of social distancing and having a number of people together for their Lumberjack match because AEW seems more responsible. The big issue I had with the Lumberjack match was it seemed pretty pointless as they killed the gimmick as they didn't get Wardlow and Luchasaurus back in the ring and seemed to do it just so they could play catch. AEW (laughs) also seemed to be really becoming more of a tag team promotion based on the matches tonight and how much time they got. It's certainly not a women's wrestling promotion, as that seems to be on the back burner. A good 7 out of 10 show and a nice distraction. 
Is it on the back burner? I mean, you had Hikaru Shida, um, you know, in a squash match. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a women's wrestling heavy show, but there was plenty of screen time given to her and Penelope Ford and also Britt Baker. Um, I imagine they would have had bigger plans for Britt Baker at this point in time if she was available. Same with, you know, you wonder if Chris Statlander would have had a bigger role in the show too if she was still around. Um, but Shida and I guess Nyla Rose, is she doing anything? Does she have uh, a match? Week, week two, she's doing a match um, just saying she's in action and she has a surprise. Oh, okay. Yeah, certainly they're lacking depth. Yeah. We go to Jay from Colorado who says, Another excellent edition of Dynamite. Britt Baker has gone from my least favorite female wrestler on the roster to one of my favorites. She has truly found her niche and her segments have become some of the highlights of an already awesome show. I love the Hikaru Shida squash of Red Velvet just so she could get her hands on Penelope Ford. AEW excels at simple storytelling. They don't oversimplify it, but they don't overthink it. It just works. I'm really digging the Sunny Kiss Joey Janela team. And that segment gave us Joey Janela beating down two guys with grocery bags full of Lunchables and Doritos. God, I love wrestling. The Lumberjack match really highlighted the cliche, let's stand around together and wait until someone dives into us wrestling trope. I don't mind it so much every once in a while, but it's way overdone. You you left out the big okay. line at the end. I was as, uh, as Teddy KGB in the movie <laughs> Rounders would say, "Too much splashing the pot." I can't I can't do Teddy KGB either. Chick chick chick, give him his fucking money. So that's a some. You've never seen all, Rounders, have you? I'm I'm not. It's, it's a word word of advice for all of our feedbackers. Um, if you include the line from Rounders, John Pollock will likely read it. When I when I went uh, uh, last summer with my friends to a cottage, we put on rounders, and the four of us like finished. It, it was the most aggravating people to watch a movie with, unless it was the four of us, and we just finished every line that was coming up. One of us would have it, and we did God. this for like the entire movie. It was uh, amazingly awful, but I, I would dread if there was someone there who had not seen the movie. I think you would you would have just left. You would have just I, left the cottage entirely and gone home. I would have went into a lake probably. I think that calls for a commentary track with you and these four friends. Okay, maybe. Yeah, we can talk about that um, whenever I can hang out with these people again. Uh, Kenny writes, another totally entertaining episode of Dynamite. I have never been as wrong about a performer as I was about Orange Cassidy. I thought his act would die on TV, and now I can't wait to see him face off against Jericho. Fighter Fest looks like it's going to be an awesome show, although I do wonder how they'll have enough time for everything they have booked. Six pay-per-view level matches on a two-hour show with commercials seems like a lofty goal. I thought SCU FTR was one of the best matches of the quarantine era. Even though it was clear FTR was going to win, I totally bought some of SCU's near falls, and I thought both teams looked great. Did Taz really call COVID-19 a BS excuse to stay home? I've heard some heelish things in my life, but my gosh, I do have to wonder if Mox was exposed the day before the match and not two weeks in advance if he still would be staying home. Well, obviously, this is before we... uh had the knowledge of uh, how direct this was uh, affecting Moxley. Finally, am I crazy or did Cody say he was going to defend the TNT title every single week? That didn't last very long. He did say that. It made no sense to do one this week. Like, why? No. Yeah. This was building to next week's match. So, I mean, yeah, he did say he was going to do it every week. I mean, I I, I don't know. Didn't seem like uh, he's not going to do it um, the week after. Like the on the eighth either because he'll have already right. defended it against Hager. So yep. I guess take the promises like that with a bit with a grain of salt. And I think we could forgive it in, in these circumstances. Um, okay, so maybe let's just like you know talk a bit more about like John Moxley. Um, 
He's scheduled to be in that eighth show if he cannot perform. De- delay the match. Do- yeah, how much does that hurt the card? I mean, they've done such a good job with Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. You could very well headline with that one. And again, it's a TV show. And if need be, you do have that. If if you have to fill something, you could do another Cody match if if you so chose against a mystery person. Yeah, you can. I mean, I imagine they would want to feature Brian Cage against somebody. So maybe I like to be anybody. There's, there's a million things you can do. It's not life and death if they can't do that match on July 8th. I don't yeah. think that's any kind of big thing to worry about. We got a no one from Vaughn who says good go home show for AEW tonight. I really like the FTR match, especially. I thought Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela looked great together, and I love the video package before their match. They got a great dynamic and should fit in well in the tag division. 7.5 out of 10. Question for you guys. What do you think would be a successful viewership number for Fighter Fest? Well, we kind of had that conversation, but... Yeah. Um, 900 would be a success, I would mm-hmm. say. In this current... I, I wouldn't have said that uh, under normal circumstances for something built up like this, but right now, 900 would be a success. Yeah. Um. Matthew from Vancouver. That was a tremendous episode of Dynamite. I love the big fight presentation of the press conference. My vote for most improved performer this year might have to go to Jake Hager. His character work these past months has been excellent. FTR versus SCU was a great tag match. Matt Hardy continues to prove he still has a few years left in the tank. Despite the quality of this show, I do feel that AEW and WWE need to seriously reconsider running it all. Due to the alarming amount of COVID cases coming out of Florida, it's pretty scary to say the least. Nine out of ten. Uh... I, I echo those sentiments. I think it's um, a very dangerous time right now uh, to be doing these shows in Florida for either company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, this is all really affecting WWE, obviously, the most right now. But what actions do you see AEW taking coming off of, like, this string of, like, positive cases in the industry? I mean, it's it's something, like, that we did talk about before. It's like it could have an impact, like just given that there are some some couples that are, you know, between both companies um, that there could have that effect. But I mean, what we do know is that AEW are doing like their testing. So it's like they prior to WWE instituting their COVID-19 testing. I mean, they were ahead of WWE in, in that sense. I, I think unless there is some kind of outbreak that affects AEW talent and staff directly, I think they're going to keep going with this, but I think it would be wise for both companies to be like next week. They have uh, next week. They're taping Wednesday and Thursday. That's two weeks of TV. I would say like, if you could squeeze in another one, I, I would do it. I would be trying to bulk tape wherever possible and to limit the amount of travel. Like it's a lot of travel that they've been doing even at a reduced schedule, like both, both sides. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, we go to finally from uh, Raymond from Sacramento, who says, A few months ago, I mentioned AEW not being afraid to shy away from mentioning the ongoing pandemic. Tonight, there were at least two instances where the announcers, Excalibur specifically, mentioned that QT and John Moxley were not around because of contact with people that came in contact with the virus and were staying away as a precaution. I applaud AEW of not acting like they don't exist in the real world and continue to be transparent on the subject. And then he says, sorry, I just saw that Renee Young has COVID-19. That sucks and explains a few things, too. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback here on the forum. So that will bring an end to the show. We're going to be back uh, again. The British Wrestling Experience, uh, they're going to have um, probably a, a very thorough discussion of all the speaking out um, 
the entire movement on Thursday's show with Martin Bushby, Jamesy, and Benno. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, their thoughts on all of this stuff. And then Way and I will be back 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time live for all patrons after SmackDown on Friday night. We'll talk about uh, all the latest as it relates to WWE. Uh, They are set as of now to tape on Friday and Saturday. So we will see what the fallout of this news is that is uh, breaking as we speak. So thanks to everybody uh, for tuning in. Way, uh, I know uh, before the show started, you said you wanted to have the final word. So it's all yours. Did not say that. Um. Let me think. Um, pro, um, uh, um, uh, Uh, you can do it. How about uh, what's a good word? Maybe uh, hair. Good night. <laughs>